Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. First Easter Sunday here is Mansfield Campus, Pastor. I'm excited. I am so pumped. I'm Josh, if you're new this morning. It's great to see you. I was just thinking then, and this is, this is not planned, but I was just thinking, I was looking at the cross and I was thinking about this time when I went into this jewellery shop as a kid, or I can't remember where it was, and I saw this cross with, with Jesus on it, and I said, Mum, I, I, want, I want that necklace. I, I, want it. I don't know why I wanted a necklace, but I wanted the necklace. And Mum said, no, 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 Josh, you're not having that cross because Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's alive. Yes. Oh, come on, I'll say it again. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's alive. Yes. Come on. Hey, listen, if there's a Sunday that we can get excited, it's this Sunday. And I want to tell you that we don't have to just wait for Easter Sunday to get excited because what Jesus did, he did once for all. But today is a day to celebrate. You saw it on the opening video. You might not associate the words church and party, but that's really what this is this morning. We're here to celebrate Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. We've been in this series the last few weeks called Who Is This Man? And hopefully you've followed that through. And and if you haven't, just just go back to some of the messages because we've just been leading up to this great day today, Easter Sunday. So let's get into it. John 20, I'm going to just read quite a big text here. But if you've got your Bibles, follow along. And if not, it'll be on the screen. And it says this, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, I'll just put a quick pause on that there just to explain who the other disciple is. So this disciple who we see here, the one who Jesus loved, was the guy writing the book. <laughs> I think he had a bit of a, you know, this guy was very confident. <laughs> Jesus loved me, hello. <laughs> Not only that though, John, the guy who's writing the book, he's also telling us that he outran his mate Peter. <laughs> he's saying, yeah, by the way, guys, I did beat him. <laughs> I won the race. I like that. I don't mind that competitive nature. But this is John. That's the guy who is the one Jesus loved. Verse six says this, Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Again, this is John talking about himself. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll get him. Jesus said, Mary. 
she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me for I've not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now we'll come back to this in a second. But have you ever had a case of mistaken identity? A time where maybe you get someone's name wrong or you forget somebody or you just get someone's situation completely wrong. Has anybody had that type of situation before? Yeah, I I, I do this quite a little bit because I like to talk to people. I I like to to interact with people. And let's say my passion for for people is not always uh, the same as my capacity to remember names and that sort of thing. It's people's situation. So I get it wrong sometimes. Now, Last year, uh, year, I was at this work event and I saw this guy across the room who I'd had a, I'd had a great, great uh, coffee with a few weeks earlier. First time we'd met, we'd sat down for a few hours, had coffee, talked about life and work and different things. We had a great time. And I spotted him across the room at this event. I thought, I'm going to go and say hi to him. So I went to him and started talking and said, great to see you and all this sort of stuff. And this guy who was really warm a few weeks ago was all of it. He was like looking at me with a blank expression. And I was like, what's this guy's problem? He's rude. <laughs> he must be having a bad day. So I go on and say, you know, carry on talking. Uh, quickly, I pick the hint up that he doesn't want to be in this conversation. So I say, look, uh, look, great, great to see you. Um, look, let's, we should gra- grab another coffee uh, sometime. And he's gone, we've never had a coffee together. I'm thinking, I'm thinking this guy's not only rude, he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this guy needs to <laughs> you should go and get your head checked out honestly anyway he said the next words made sense then because he said you must be talking about my brother <laughs> I, I, I'd approached this guy I was talking to the wrong guy for like 10 minutes like, like he was my best friend <laughs> it was his brother now they worked in the same company like they looked exactly the same I think they should like, like when he's on his business card he should say by the way my brother's name's Pete and if you meet him <laughs> This next thing is a little bit worse. I, I used to work in a coffee shop probably eight years ago. I'll take you back eight years. And, and uh, I was working in this coffee shop. And in the centre, they sent round um, different cleaning people and always sort of made relationships with the, the cleaning people. And this lady started this one day. And uh, I said, oh, are you new? Great to see you. She went, no, no, I'm, I'm just, um, just helping out covering on maternity. And I went, oh, that's great. When's the baby due? And she said, uh, I had the baby one year ago. <laughs> that, it would have been a great question about a year before, but unfortunately, this lady had already had the baby. Now, look, I, I, I'm a pro at this about getting things wrong in this way, but if you want to talk about mistaken identity, I don't have a, a, an illustration to rival how wrong Mary Magdalene gets it here in John 20. Look at this again. Verse 15, he asked the woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Listen to this. Thinking he was the gardener. She mistook Jesus for the gardener. And then not only that, she gives him attitude. She's like, sir, look, if you've carried him away, just tell me where he is and I'll get him. I mean, come on, like the, the God of heaven and earth, the Jesus who conquered death and grave Jesus, who she'd walked with, she thought he was the gardener. I mean, that is a big problem. She had got it 
wrong. And then she gives him attitude. See, Mary was one of Jesus' closest followers. She'd been with him through a lot. She'd experienced firsthand his grace and mercy. We don't know much about Mary Magdalene, but we do know this. Before she met Jesus, she was a mess. You could make a case for Mary Magdalene being one of Jesus' most dedicated followers. And she didn't recognise him. See, I think this just shows the mentality of these followers of Jesus. She wasn't going to Jesus' grave to see if he was alive. She was going to decorate it. Going to decorate his burial place. And where were the other disciples? Where was everyone else? Because I don't see any of the other guys there until Mary shows up and fetches Peter and John. Everybody has given up. They thought it was over. They were confused because they believed this Jesus was the Messiah and the best three years of their lives have come to an abrupt end as Jesus has been executed on the cross. I mean, just imagine this. Put yourself in their shoes. They travelled with Jesus. They seen the miracle, seen him open blind eyes, make deaf ears here, seen him walk on water, feed the 5,000. They'd laugh together, cry together, live life together. And in a few days, it's all over. See, there wasn't expectation. They were filled with dejection. I want to tell you this this morning, just as an aside. I don't want to skip to the, the end, but I want to tell you this this morning, that if you came in this place depressed and dejected this morning, when you meet Jesus, you can have expectation today. I honestly believe today that there's some people in here, you've walked in with your head down, worried about life, worried about things that are going on in your situation. But Jesus, invitation to you today is this. You can walk out knowing that he is in control. You can walk out knowing that he's got your back. And instead of walking out, with your head down, you can walk out with your head high in expectation in God. See, until Jesus appears to Mary, she is so convinced that he's gone. She's so wrapped up in her emotions that she doesn't even recognise him. But all he has to do is call the name Mary. And she breaks down. Rab and I. Because she recognises that Jesus stands in front of her, that he is raised as he said he would. In the final message of this series that asks the question, who is this man? This morning, I want to declare, he is alive. Come on, he is alive. He's here today. And that is the culmination. That's what we've been working towards at this God. God in flesh. He's alive today. See, if he'd remained in that grave, we'd be wasting our time this morning, religiously tipping our caps caps to a man that once lived a good life. But because he rose again, we come to celebrate what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do in our lives. Because he raised from the grave, we can have a new start. Because he raised from the grave, we can be free. Because he raised from the grave, we can have relationship with the God of heaven and earth. Is anybody happy that he is alive? In the remaining moments we have, I want to look at Mary Magdalene and Peter in this account. 
As I said, we know that before Mary met Jesus, she was a mess. In Luke 8, we see that Jesus set Mary free from demon possession. I think it's fair to speculate that physically and mentally, Mary had been through a lot. We don't know her past beyond this, but she sought out Jesus because she was bound and she wanted to be free. See, this woman's life had been transformed by Jesus. And in the following years, she would become one of his most loyal friends, following him from town to town, walking with him, talking with him. He'd shown her a new path to tread, a new way to live as she observed how he lived his life in front of the huge crowds and next to the lonely beggar. And all of a sudden, Jesus is arrested. He's beaten and executed in the most brutal of deaths. Jesus' followers scatter because of fear of their lives. But not Mary Magdalene. She was present at the cross. She was there until he breathed his last breath. Mary's life is turned upside down. This man who they thought to be the Messiah is gone. The community has scattered and are resigned to meeting in secrecy. Mary's afraid, but not of getting arrested like all the others. She's afraid that she'll go back to the way she was before. I think the internal question that Mary Magdalene is asking here is, what am I going to do without Jesus? How am I going to live without Jesus? He's led her and guided her. He's taught her. We see that from a response to him when he calls her. She says, Rabbi, teacher. She's scared of being lost again, losing purpose, losing hope and losing the freedom which she now has. When she gets to the grave, the stone's rolled away. She rushes to get Peter and John. They rush back and they see he's not there. And those two leave, but not Mary. She stays. She waits. Was this the glimmer of hope she'd been waiting for? Could he have raised from the dead? See, I think Mary is waiting there because she needs Jesus in her life. She needs him to be alive. She can't live without Jesus. She knows she can't live as free, as purposeful without him. And she just waits. I don't think with much hope, but with a glimmer, she waits until he appears, speaks, and she breaks down as she realises he's alive. We then come to Peter. See, Peter's one of Jesus' closest friends, and you could make an argument to say he's probably his closest friend on the earth at all. For three years, Peter went everywhere with Jesus. He went from being a fisherman to being a central character in the story that changed the world. See, Peter was a talker. He was passionate. He was an act first and think later kind of guy. He loved Jesus. He had front row seats to the last three years of Jesus' life. They spent precious time together, seen miracles happen, broken people made whole. They challenged the religious system of the day and championed the lost. See, Peter was Jesus' guy. But Peter, with all of his bravado and passion, when push came to shove, he let Jesus down. See, Jesus had told Peter, at this, they had this uh, about a week before Jesus' death, they had what we know is the Last Supper. The last time they got together, Jesus and his friends, and Jesus says, I love this opening line. He says, I can't tell you how much I've eagerly waited to eat this meal with you 
That just shows you the heart of Jesus, doesn't it? You know, Jesus eagerly awaits to spend time with you. He can't wait to spend time with you. And he says that, and at this meal, lots of things happen. And Jesus says lots of things that the guys just don't understand. And uh, he tries to just prepare them for the, the things that are going to transpire in the coming weeks. And, and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, look, just so you know, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no, not me, Lord. Never me, no, never me Lord. I, I'll never do that. Jesus gets arrested and Peter follows from a distance and he's out in the courtyard while Jesus is inside and Jesus is being, being beaten and spat at and Peter's outside and this little girl says, you must be one of his followers. I'm sure I've seen him with you. And he says, not me. Three times he denies Jesus and he says, I don't know that guy. See, Peter, Peter has betrayed not just God in flesh, but his closest friend. See, although Peter was a bit thick at times, he did some silly things, he knew who Jesus was. See, Peter was the one who, when asked by Jesus, who do, people, who, who, uh, who do you say I am, said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter knew who Jesus was. After denying Jesus, Peter's a mess. We see in Luke 22 that he wept bitterly. See, this is not the sort of crying that I do when I've watched We Bought a Zoo. This is the type of crying that, that literally fills you with depression. This is not the type of crying that goes in a second. This is the type of crying where this man is broken. This is the type of crying you do when you realise that you have compromised your character. Peter had compromised everything that he knew about himself on that night. See, with all he is, Peter is willing Jesus to be alive. He needs him to be alive. See, to make it worse, Jesus is then crucified. We, we come to John 20, and I just think Peter's depressed. I think he is dejected. He's depressed. He, he doesn't know where his life's going to go because it was so wrapped up in Jesus and, and what they were going to do and how they were going to transform and change the world and what they'd been doing. He's betrayed Jesus and he knows it. He's messed up and he needs a new start. He wants to say sorry. He wants to make it right with Jesus, but he can't because Jesus is dead. He's weighed down by his past. And then Mary walks through the door. Verse two, it says, So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. See, Peter takes off in a sprint. He doesn't think. He just goes as fast as his feet can carry him. This is a desperate man. Is there a chance that Jesus could be alive? See, with all he is, Peter is willing Jesus to be alive because he needs a new start. He needs to say sorry. He needs to be forgiven for what he's done in his past. He knows that he can't carry the weight, the hurt, the pain his entire life. And he turns up to the tomb out of breath and Jesus isn't there. I'm sure they speculate what's happened, where's he gone? But then he walks away. As I mentioned earlier, we see that John believed. But at this point, I don't think Peter does. We know that because of where we see Peter next. In John 21, Peter has resigned himself to going back to his old life. He's taken the guys fishing. See, it must have been game over for him. He's no purpose, so he just returns to what he knew. 
They fish and some of the other guys follow and they catch nothing. I mean, they must be terrible fishers because the two times that they see them, they caught nothing. But they caught nothing. A man appears on the shore and shouts, what have you caught? They say nothing and the man says, cast your nets on the other side. And they caught so many fish that they couldn't fit them in the boat. And they realise that it's Jesus. See, Jesus had done the exact same thing when he first called them. And he's reminding them again that he is calling them to change the world for him. Peter jumps into the water and sprints to Jesus and he is raised from the dead. We don't know what happens in these moments, but I'm sure there's tears and joy as Jesus welcomes Peter again. And as Peter lets the realisation sink in that Jesus is alive. The realisation that he can be forgiven. The realisation that he can be free. The realisation that he can have a new start. Jesus is alive. See, the fact that Jesus is alive makes all the difference. If Jesus had remained in that grave, there would have been no new start for Peter. He would have carried the weight of his mess his entire life. See, if Jesus hadn't raised from the grave, Mary would have gone back to that old life where she was bound and empty. But because Jesus rose, Peter had a new start and Mary could live in the purpose and strength that Jesus gave. See, this morning you might be sat here and you think, Josh, I need a new start. That's me. I've messed up. You're like Peter. You've been carrying the weight of your life along for too long and it has stopped you living a full life. You're not the person you once were. You've stopped dreaming. You've stopped believing for more. You say, you don't know me, Josh. You don't know what I've done, where I've been. And you're right, I don't. But Jesus does. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, going through the worst pain of his life, he uttered these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, when he's being tortured to death, he prays for the very people who were causing him pain, the very people who put him on the cross. And if Jesus can forgive them, let me tell you today, he can forgive you. And he doesn't do it out of obligation. He doesn't do it because his, his arms behind his back in a twist hold. He does it out of love because he wants you to have a new start. He wants you to be free. He wants you to step into freedom. See, he went to that cross so that your mess could be dealt with, so your pain could be healed and so you could step in to new life through him come on arena is anyone glad we've got new life in Jesus I'm so glad we've got new life come on if we're going to do it let's thank him thank you God thank you God Jesus chose the cross for you or you might be like Mary you have no purpose you're held back by addiction or by the past or your self-image or you feel empty. Jesus himself says in John 10, 10, that I have come so that you may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus went to that cross, not just to deal with your mess. He went to that cross so that you could live a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment and a life that makes a difference. See, Christianity, sometimes the sell for Christianity has been so wrong that it's all about getting this bus ticket to heaven and, and that's it. And we just sit around on this earth and we're just like tapping our feet and waiting around to, to get to heaven. That is so wrong. 
That is so wrong. You know, the second you say yes to Jesus, that's the second new life begins. Yeah, we're going to live in eternity. Yeah, death, sting has been gone because of what Jesus did when he conquered death. But you can have new life today. You can have purpose today. You can have fulfillment today. You can be free of addiction today because of this man who conquered death and rose again and not just live for another 30 years. He is alive and here this morning for you to meet. See, we're not called to do it in our own strength, but in his strength. And because he died, rose and conquered death, because he's alive, he can be the fuel for your life. He wants to be the driving force for the way you live. He wants to empower you to live a big life with him. And this isn't just about trying really hard in your own strength. It's about coming to Jesus and saying, I need you, Lord. I need you to guide me. I need you to lead me. I can't do this on my own. Jesus is alive today. He conquered death and came to this earth so that you could have a new start in him. Christianity isn't about rules and regulations, what you can and can't do. It's about a man and his name is Jesus. This is the message of Easter. This is why we sing. This is why there were tears running down my cheek in those songs because I am so glad I've got a new start in Jesus. I'm so glad I've got a God who is alive today. I'm not just coming to go through religious ritual. I'm coming here this morning to honour the God of heaven and earth who gave his son for me. We've been given new life. A life that's infused with the power and purpose of God as we live each day because he's alive. Who is this man? He's alive. And he's here for you today. He wants to get to know you. He wasn't forced into the cross. He wasn't trapped. He chose the cross with you in mind. He did it so that you could know him and he could know you. I want to ask today, do you know him? And you, this might be your first time in church. You might have been coming to church for years and you might say, Josh, I don't see the power of Jesus in my life. Well, I believe today that Jesus wants to come and show himself to you. I believe he wants to reveal himself to you today. Easter Sunday, 2019. I believe he wants to make himself real to you today.